Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. How are you all keeping? That was amazing. That was so good. Joey, that was an exceptional worship. Thank you. And uh, thank you, worship team. Come on, let's appreciate our worship team. They are, um, they just serve so faithfully. And um, uh, Mark has been um, practicing the dr- uh, drumming. Um, he's been coming in at every available moment. Um, he's a guitar teacher. If you want to learn to play the guitar, go and speak to Mark. He's a guitar teacher. He works for um, the schools and he goes around teaching children how to play guitar. And, um, but uh, he's been coming in at every available moment uh, just to practice on the drums, just um, to add another uh, string to his bow. I'm not sure that's the right... <laughs> to get in. So it, it just so good. So good to see worship just breaking out and, and, and getting into the presence of God. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something fresh uh, in this house. I, I believe I felt the Holy Spirit say, this church is a different church. Yeah. Um, this city is a different city, actually, isn't it? it um, this year is kind of the, the city has been going through such a huge transition um, over the last uh, couple of years. And, and um, we, had, um, we had people up from Hope City. Um, we had a meeting with some Hope City team people um, came up uh, during the week. And um, one of them, uh, Kirsty, um, comes from Fraserburgh. And uh, she studied in Aberdeen, uh, and uh, so she. Uh, it was lovely having someone from uh, the from Sheffield who who knows Aberdeen, and um, uh, you can explain where things are. Just you know, so I'll just park down the hard gate, and she knows what you're talking about, and uh, makes life so much easier when you've got t- uh, people you know, catching up with people. And and uh, they um, came up, and she was saying that she barely recognised the city. Uh, it just felt so different. It looks different. And uh, I, I, need, I really want you to understand that the church is different, that the church is and that God has positioned this church and, and has been doing an extraordinary uh, and wonderful work within this house, that, that the house of God um, is being transformed, that the house of God is being pruned. And, and I need you to understand that, that there has been a pruning, and pruning is a, a process of God's word. A lot of people think that prune, when God prunes, he, he, um, they think the pruning is the process that they're going through. Mm-hmm. I need you to understand that what you're going through is not the pruning. God's word is the pruning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, It's his word that prunes. Not the process. What you're going through is just life. Are you with me here? His pruning is his word. And his word is what brings about a shift and a change. When God's word spoken over your life, everything changes. And God spoke a word into my heart um, some months ago, which, has, which is caring very deep. And I've, I've expressed it a few times that the church has to arise in the fullness of the hope of the gospel in a manner that has not been seen before. There has to be the demonstration 
of the life, the supernatural, the provision of the cross. The the wonderful work that Christ achieved on the cross and its fullness. And when I say fullness, I mean it's fullness. We, We have to understand that that many things arise in this nation because the church simply hasn't demonstrated God's love and grace. When, when Christians stand up and criticize a secular nation for their secular life, they miss the point altogether. We are not here to criticize anyone for their life, their unbelief. Their, they, if someone doesn't know Christ, you can't criticize them for not knowing that's about the most stupid thing anyone would ever do on the planet, bar none. We are here to demonstrate his love and grace. There's no need to criticize, no need to judge, no need to point the finger, no need to separate or isolate because the power of the gospel is sufficient to bring such extraordinary life, such amazing transformation, such extraordinary healing and restoration that never do we need to defend or or to attack but simply bring the fullness of what Christ has done for us. There is a message that is rising in this house. Amen. There is something wonderful that God has put within us. Well, I've seen such amazing miracles. You've got to understand miracles break out in this house just in worship. People get healed. There have been, I've seen more healings in the worship than I have laying hands on people. And we lay hands as frequently as we can just to pray and to prophesy, to speak life, to speak liberty, to speak salvation, to speak deliverance, to, to speak hope. Uh, and all of those things, we see these things shifting and changing people's lives. I, I, I need you to understand that spirit of debt and poverty is being broken off people's lives. It's broken off the house. We, we see a shift in stepping into a place of, uh, of absolute miracle provision. When Shaw and I came, planted this church, we, I grew up in poverty. I knew nothing but poverty. The clothes that I, that I used to wear weren't second hand, they were fourth hand. <laughs> they, they, had been, they had done the rounds, they had done the neighborhood and, and eventually being the youngest of six, they came to me. I had got, um, I've got two sisters, they generally had gone past them as well. And, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> We grew up in poverty, we grew up in lack, we grew up in a minimalism of just a getting by. And yet within that, my parents were, were parents of faith and, and hope and dad never stopped dreaming. And they, they, they refused to be conformed to the poverty that existed around them. They, they wouldn't live the life of those who are poor. People who, who are held by poverty are often constrained by social restrictions and yet my parents just wouldn't live like that yet somehow somehow we survived I remember my aunt um, who was a bookkeeper used to come and help mum and dad out with the with the books with dad's business dad was um, had uh, had his own cabinet making business and and but he was extremely um, affected by arthritis he couldn't work um, very well and, and certainly not very quickly um, and um, and so he couldn't make a, a sufficient income and uh, my my aunt used to say I remember her saying when I was a, a sort of an adult and sort of in the process of leaving home she'd come around and I remember her saying I don't understand how this family ever existed <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know how you survived. I, I look to the books and it doesn't add up. 
<laughs> but I remember sitting down when I was in business with my father at a later date. I remember sitting down with, with dad and we were looking at the business. We were a hundred grand in debt and we were just, we was just breaking poverty, breaking poverty. Just, and I remember saying, look, look, if we just sell up now, if we just quit now, we can quit while we're ahead and we take a hundred grand hit and, and then we're free. And, and mum said, she, she just looked at me, she said, we've been through worse. We've been through this before. We'll get through it now. And it was the best advice we ever ha- I ever had. And, and I, I need you to understand, when you, when, you, when you come through those things, you, you have to understand, you either poverty frames you, makes you, or you gain victory over it. Yeah. Yeah. You understand, see, sickness is the same. Jesus said to the, to the man who was lying at the pool, um, who wanted to be healed. He'd been there for 38 years. Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? That's a critical question for someone who's been ill for 38 years because eventually when you've been sick that long, sickness becomes part of who you are. It's very difficult to, to differentiate the, between sickness and, and health. You can't you can't shift those thought patterns. People who are well um, can criticize or, or kind of feel like, why do sick people think like that? Well, try being sick for a long time and, and check out your own thinking. <laughs> it affects your mindset. But you have to understand that Christ has made us the head and not the tail. He's given us a victory on the cross, which is sufficient for all things. And we must bring a gospel that is sufficient in the power of his word. It is sufficient in the life that he has brought and a faith that lifts us up. Amen. We are on this oxygen series. I don't even know where that intro came from. That was not in my message. <laughs> I just feel inspired this morning. In the, well, this is our oxygen series, which is on, fa- on prayer, on faith. <laughs> Everything's on faith. And uh, <laughs> not teaching on faith. Faith is in everything we teach. And uh, oxygen is our prayer life. Oxygen is absolutely necessary for every cell in your being. But prayer is your oxygen. It is absolutely necessary for the very core of who you are in Christ. Without prayer, you spiritually die. Without your prayer life, there there is a drying up, a a seizing up on the inside, a, a growing old, as it were, on the inside. Like things just don't begin to function as they should. And I want to read to you um, this morning from Proverbs chapter 3. And we are going to read um, from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. And it says this, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In all your ways, sorry, that's verse 6, isn't it? I said verse 5. We're going to go to verse 5 a little bit later. In all your ways, Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So I want to speak about how your prayer life is motivated. See, here is the thing about your prayer life. If you don't understand the why you pray, you'll never understand how you pray. You don't understand why, you'll never understand how. James, I think it was, Pastor James um, said, um, I believe it was a, a few weeks ago, he said that he was on a training course um, and he, they found that it was a, a part of a sort of work thing. He found that um, psychologists say that 80% of our thinking is negative. Mm. I think that was James. Is that James? Yeah. I think it was. 
80% of our thinking naturally is negative. All right? That's, that's human psychology, that our, our thinking 80% is negative. And so that puts a horror amongst us, doesn't it? Goodness me, only 20%. Think about this. Think about how great your life is. Think about how much, how effective that 20% of your positive thinking is, yeah. is working for you. Yeah. <laughs> you could go, oh my goodness, 80%. But think about this. That 20% does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. That 20% just creates so much life. I've met people who, who are really just... It's sort of depressed and, and sort of down. I reckon their negative thinking is probably about 82%. <laughs> I reckon positive people are probably thinking like 20, they've got about just an extra 2%. But I reckon if you shifted your thinking between, between 2 and 3%, you would see an extraordinary difference. If you think what 20% blessing you've had in your life, think about a shift of about 3%. Don't think about trying to shift 80%. Think about 3%. Let's do this instead. And what happens is that if your thinking is negative, your prayer life by nature is reactionary, negatively reactionary. All right? And reactionary, the problem with reactionary is an event takes place and away you go to prayer. Oh, God, where's the money? (laughs) Oh, God. Heal this sickness. Oh, God. And there is a reaction to a circumstance. And what happens with reaction is that it disempowers the plans and the purposes that you have for God. See, we've got to understand that, that the Bible calls us to acknowledge him. And if we're acknowledging him in all your ways. Everyone say all. All, all your ways... Acknowledge him. We're talking about a different kind of prayer life. We're not talking about a reactionary prayer life. We are talking about a prayer life of acknowledgement. And acknowledgement is a critical part of who you are. Because what you do not acknowledge, you invalidate. What you do not acknowledge, you Invalidate. In other words, if you don't acknowledge the hand of God in your life, then you invalidate His plans and purposes for your life. You dis you 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 disempower, and you can say, "Well, I'm not. I believe in Jesus. I I I need you to. I'm going to take you to Scripture to show you how two women in the Bible who I think carried the heart." Of Christ, perhaps more than anyone. And this is Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Now, Lazarus is sick and he's going to die. And there's been many messages to and fro. Jesus, can you please come? Can you heal him? Jesus is, is like he's been saying to his disciples, Lazarus is sick. He's probably going to die. Um, I'm not going, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and Thomas is getting depressed. And, and, uh, uh, and, and the whole thing's just looking pretty sort of sour and sort of negative. And, and yet Mary and Martha, you wouldn't find anyone who believed in Jesus more. I reckon. I reckon Mary, Martha and Lazarus were probably as, as close to Jesus as his disciples were. They, he held them and they had this very, very special bond, a very close, loving family relationship that he had with them. They, they had found a place in the heart of Christ that was so unique 
and they believed fully in him. And I want you to see this. It says in John chapter 11 and verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming. By the way, Lazarus at this point is dead, right? He's been in the grave for three days and he's already beginning to stink a bit. (laughs) Jesus was coming, heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. So so Mary is just heartbroken. She's, She's more melancholic and she just... She's just sitting in there. She's just feeling a bit down. And, and now he's at 21. It says, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Fair point. If Jesus had been there, he wouldn't have died. It's the truth, right? She believed in Christ. The following conversation, if you carry on and read it in your own time, is that, You'll find that Martha says, I believe that you are Jesus Christ. You are the son of the living God. She knew who Jesus was, full, who he was. But she had failed to acknowledge him in all her ways. And so she was invalidating what his plans and purposes were over their lives. She believed in him. But she hadn't acknowledged him. I mean, when I say acknowledged him in all her ways. So she acknowledged him, but she didn't acknowledge him in all her ways. Well, I believe you're the son. But if you had been here, in other words, I can't acknowledge the fact that you weren't here. You you should have been here. How many times have we come to God and saying, God, this is not right. You should have been here. This shouldn't have happened. You should have done this. This is what you should have done. And we have a list of complaints that Christ has has just not, he hasn't answered the prayer that we we had set out a list of things that we were hoping for. I I, um, was watching a a video um, on Facebook that Nancy had posted um, about children, uh, about parenting. And uh, one of the things they were saying about parenting uh, is that um, children, the millennials, um, I think it probably goes back a bit. Further than that, but the sort of generation of kids that are growing up in today's society have a, uh, what's the word? It's the one word I can never, um, entitlement. Um, So they have an entitled um, mentality and um, they they believe they are special uh, and uh, they believe they can do anything they want. Um, Here's the thing, right? This is is what, and the church has actually been, church has been proclaiming this message. You're incredibly special. You're special before God. If you were the only sinner in the world, Jesus would have come and died for you. I don't think that's true, by the way. (laughs) Genuinely, I I think that's about a dumb thing to say uh, because it's not in the Bible and it's a scenario that just doesn't exist. It's like, and what that's creating is that you're really special and that you and you can have anything you want. Do you know that really isn't that true? <laughs> We've got to break this idolatry of humanity. Yeah. Of course we're special. I mean, my daughter's special. My, my son-in-law is... I mean, these guys here are special. My son... Boaz, oh, he's on. He's helping down in crash. Um, he's special because they're my kids, right? They're special, yeah. Yeah. but they're not uniquely special against anyone else. <laughs> Hello, they're just special. They're special. They're special in the house. They're special to us. 
you're special, but you're not special. <laughs> right? You're, you're not unique. You're not that special. <laughs> and you don't deserve everything you want, and you can't have everything you want. <laughs> And we have a generation of kids that are going out into the workplace and discovering that what they've been heard at school isn't true. <laughs> what they've heard on social media, which is what looking through life through a filter. But it, you look through um, Instagram, everything is filtered to look glamorous, wonderful, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit of vignette around the edge, just to <laughs> shade out the, uh, the bits you don't want anyone to see. And just put a little extra shine on it, just make it look good. I, on, I, I need you to understand, when I post on Instagram, I only post the pictures I want you to see. I do not post the pictures I do not want you to see, and there are lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say, oh, you should, we should tell the truth, tell the world when we're feeling bad. Please don't. <laughs> Ruins everyone's day. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? We're not special and we can't have anything we want. But we are the sons and children of God, which makes us prince and princesses, if you want that. Sounds weird now. (laughs) Go to Disney. (laughs) Let it go. And... We are children of God. That gives us access to the throne room. And if you're prepared to work and you're prepared to lay down your heart of faith and if you're prepared to believe and if you're prepared to give it all and acknowledge in all your ways Him. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. What that's doing is that's bringing Christ as Lord of all your circumstances. It's making it see, see all of your faith is about lordship. If you can get the lordship aspect of your life right, you'll walk a different kind of faith life. It's about lordship. In all your ways, acknowledge who he is. The Bible says in in Proverbs 3 verse 5, we're going to go back a verse. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, Mary and Martha... They had a problem and their their problem was that while they believed in him and acknowledged his supreme reign in their heart, they were truly born again. They're full of the life of Christ. They had failed to recognize and acknowledge the lordship of Christ over everything they were going through, even the disasters. All right? You see, but this is what happens. Without acknowledgement, you have... Limited revelation. Without acknowledgement, you have limited revelation. You see, when you acknowledge God, you be- begins to open up to you the things that God can do that you cannot perceive could happen. Mm. See, if you go over to John chapter 12, I, I, I was reading this the other day and it, it just blew me away. How the plans and purposes of God. Look at this. John chapter 12 verse 9. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. This is Jesus. And they came. Not for Jesus' sake only. 
but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. See, on account of Lazarus, if Jesus had turned up when Martha had wanted him to, no one would have been any more believing in Jesus than had already. See, Jesus had a plan that was bigger than what we could perceive. There are plans in your life that are bigger than what you can perceive or understand. But if you refuse to acknowledge him, you invalidate what he's doing in you. And so what happens is that Mary and Martha had to come to a place where they could acknowledge him. You see, acknowledgement is validation and validation opens revelation and revelation gives us breakthrough. See, revelation gives us an understanding of how to... Have you ever had a puzzle that you don't know how to fix, how to, how to get through? I've spoken about this many times. I, I hate puzzles. I hate, I hate having to work out stuff when I know somebody else knows the answer. I, I'm like, why would I work it out? Would I waste my time? Why not just ask the person? And let's just skip all of that working out process. Let's just get the answer. I, I've got a, a mower at home that electrics have decided to play up on me and my grass is getting longer. And I know that my nephew, Andy, who's, who's away on a yacht this, this weekend. And, uh, <laughs> and he, he's quite good at electrics and, and uh, he's downloading the... The, uh, is downloading the, the electrics of, of my mower and, and has since come away going, he says, I don't get it. He says, it's more complicated than my Renault Clio. <laughs> the electrics. But he's trying to work out, but he, he's fathomed, he thinks he's fathomed, fathomed it out, how to, how to get the answer, get the mower working. See, when you, when you understand how to fix stuff, when you understand what's going on in your life, you know the way through. Yeah. And that's all we want. Isn't it? It's all we want in our life is to know the way through. You see, much of our life is mystical. Much of the future of your life is full of mystery. It's full of the things which we don't understand. It's like, God, what are you doing? There is a cloud, like a a thin veil that slowly opens before us as the weeks, the months and the years sort of unfold, don't they? That's kind of how we look at our life. And and yet we look forward wanting to walk with a little bit more confidence. How do you walk in faith? I walk by faith and not by sight. By sight, I'm looking at the physical circumstances. But faith is looking at the spiritual. See, faith isn't walking blind. Faith is walking, seeing by faith what it is that you're called to walk into. Faith walks in the knowledge of what God is doing. You're not blind in your faith. You're not walking blind. You're walking with as much clarity as a person who walks with, with a, a, a... 
a secular or a, a natural mindset, they, they would walk with the cautiousness of this word. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I, uh, yeah, I can't, yeah, I mean, you know, the doctor said. And, and this sort of, all of these statements of the world, but, but faith sees a different life. And you begin to take steps in faith. And by faith, you have to understand your prayer life comes by acknowledgement. God, I acknowledge who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you have carried me to this point. I am not going to ask you reacting to the circumstances. About, I'm not going to just stand and say, God, I, I ask for the, this money. I, and we pray for this healing. Sure, we pray over those things, but I'm not going to react to them. I'm declaring the acknowledgement that God is Lord over all of my life. And, and the Bible says this in Proverbs 16, verse 3. It says, Commit your ways to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit your ways, your, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So what happens is that you acknowledge Christ and your thought life begins to kick in a different process. An establishment. Are you you're with me here? This is, the most, this is one of the most incredible things. If you can discipline your prayer life to walk in this process. Let me finish with one more scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. This, this is the New Testament version of the Proverbs 3, 6. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If ever anyone has a question, a prayer life, God, what is your will for my life? It's like, I just want to do the will of God. Well, let's start with thanks. Let's start with acknowledgement. Why? Well, because... It opens revelation. It opens your mind to the establishment of what he wants to do through you. We got to, I've had so many conversations with people struggling. Have these conversations like, oh, I just, I just, I just don't know what's going on. And then we'll ask this, the basic questions. Have you prayed? Well, you know how it is. I know. I'm sure I, I should pray more. It's a, it's a good confession, isn't it? I should pray more. Sort of fudge that issue. Well, yeah, you should. <laughs> you should really talk to him. Let's start with acknowledgement. Let's start with kingship. Let's start with lordship. In all your ways, acknowledge thank him, praise him, lift him up, worship him. And let all of those thoughts, those words, shift, change, transform the negativity, the disappointment, the unbelief, the human thinking. It shifts it into an established thought process. And with acknowledgement comes validation validation creates revelation revelation creates breakthrough
Let's stand up, shall we? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.